From the creators of Circles of Fate, this is Slices of Life, a podcast where intentional living and imperfection meet. Join my co-hosts and I as we have conversations that help you navigate real faith, real life, and real community in the everyday. I'm Kimberly Amici, and today I'm here with Elise Daly Parker and Kimberly Coyle. Today, we're talking about the mother we thought we'd be. I sat in church and looked around at the other woman smiling up at the pastor. It was Mother's Day, and he was speaking on the importance of our role as mothers and the influence we have in our homes. As everyone nodded their heads, I fought back the tears. My kids were four, six, and eight at the time. I was exhausted. I doubted my worth, my purpose, and the direction our family was headed. I was constantly on edge. I lacked the kindness and compassion I knew was important in building healthy relationships with my children. I was easily angered, and then I'd beat myself up for losing my temper. I set high expectations for myself, yet continually failed to meet them. I woke up each morning hoping this would be the day that things would fall into place and I would get this mothering thing right. God, how do I change? I need your direction. I asked, what's the root of this discouragement, frustration, and impatience I'm experiencing? I was shocked by what came to mind. God reminded me of the time I visited a college friend. Each morning I'd wake up to find their mother out of bed already, dressed with breakfast, ready, and laundry started. Wow, she was nothing like my mother, and I wanted to be like her. Without realizing it, I had made a vow that there was a certain kind of mother I wanted to be. The problem with vows, either positive or negative, is that they prevent God from operating in a specific way in our life, and they keep us from becoming who he uniquely created us to be. I realized I was carrying bitterness and resentment for the years in high school when I showered, ate, breakfast, and left for school all before my parents were awake. They weren't neglecting me or being lazy. They just didn't need to get up as early as I did. Without even knowing it, I clung to an image of motherhood that was not meant for me, at least not at that time in my life. As a result, how well I thought I performed affected my day. When I got up early, read my Bible, prayed, got dressed, and cooked breakfast all before the kids woke up, I felt good about myself. When I was kind, compassionate, and helpful, I gave myself an A+. But when I didn't live up to those expectations, I was frustrated and impatient. I created an impossible standard by which I measured myself. I prayed, Dear Lord, I acknowledge that I have created an unrealistic expectation in which to live by, a standard not from you. I repent for any bitterness or resentment I have towards my parents. Forgive me for comparing them to others and clinging to the image of a perfect mother. Speak truth to my heart, Lord, and show me the mother you created me to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Motherhood will look different for all of us, and there is no one way to do it. Our spouses and children have different needs than other families. I'm so thankful to find the root of my discontent and let go of the image of a mom I couldn't possibly be at that stage of motherhood. The freedom I received allowed me to become the mother God created me to be, one that my family needed. Beautiful. I Can love I it. throw myself on the floor and cry now? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's amazing. That's such a, you made such an interesting point about, um, I mean, well, the whole thing was fabulous, but um, yeah, yes. it's funny. I had the same experience growing up with my mom and dad. Um, my mom didn't have to work until later in the morning. So she slept in and I didn't realize the pressure she was under as a working mom. Like my mom worked full time with three kids and, um, and I was always sad. Like I got up, got dressed, got out of the house all by myself in the mornings and didn't see a single person really until maybe like if I was just walking out the door, they might just be getting up. And I always said to myself, I never wanted that to be my children's experience, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. my children instead complain that even though I am awake and you know, I'm engaged with them, I'm doing all these things. I don't cook breakfast every morning. Yeah. So they complain that that's the mother I'm not to the, you know, like, well, when I, my daughter's like, when I'm a mom, I'm going to make breakfast for my kids. And I'm like, Okay, well, you're 17 years old. I'm pretty sure you can get yourself a bowl of cereal. But yeah, um, <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's interesting that it doesn't matter what we do. Oh my gosh, kids so are just gonna find something that <laughs> you know, like it doesn't jive with what they they want or their expectations are different than what we're offering them. And oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you just can't. You can't. No. You know, you have to do exactly what you, what God puts in your heart to do. Yeah. And so far, God has not put in my heart to cook breakfast every morning. I'm okay with that. <laughs> yeah. 
And, oh and, and they're starting to head out the door. So this is a, probably not going to happen in the next few years. Yeah. I, I, you know, interestingly, I'm going to, I'm going to pipe in too. Um, I too have certainly, certainly made vows against my mother in the way that she was doing things. And that is a very powerful thing, Kimberly. And I really appreciate you sharing about that because I still deal. And again, I'm the one that has the youngest is 22 and the oldest is 39 of my children, I am still, um, fighting that, um, oh my gosh, does that mean like, I'm like my mother kind of voice in my head because my mother, um, I've talked, I think a little bit about her before she was, um, you know, she wasn't really well. She, she dealt with depression and anxiety and the result was hysteria and, and verbal abuse and, um, and neglect. And so my mother wasn't up in the morning and believe me, I believed that that was absolutely neglect. Um, and breakfast in the morning is absolutely hysterical that would happen. But even listen to the way I'm saying it with such judgment, you know, I'm catching myself as I say it. And, um, and my father actually was up in the morning, but he wasn't making breakfast. You know, we had toast with cinnamon sugar on it every morning, I think. <laughs> it wasn't like we sat down to eggs and bacon anywhere. But uh, again, my point is to go back to what both of you are saying, and that is, wow, we really do judge our mothers. And yes, our children are going to probably say th- re- re- remember that they said things like, I don't want to do that because that's what my mother did, and I don't want to be like, like that. And um, as I say, I, I've I've bumped up into something recently where basically just being disapproved of by my children has wreaked a little havoc and made me go, oh, they 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 don't love they don't love me completely just the way I am. Um, so it turns out they sort of feel about me the way I felt about my mother. That's what's going on in my head. But anyway, I wanted to go back to you, Kimberly Michi, and what you just, the post, very, 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 very powerful post you just read. Because it speaks to the vows that we make, yes, and those are strong and powerful. But it also speaks to um, the standards that we set for ourselves that are absolutely um, impossible. And... um, and the danger of those standards. And, and, and instead of those standards helping you in some way, or us, because I think we've all had those expectations of what it's going to look like when I become a mother, mm-hmm. how I'm going to be a better mother, how I'm going to do it right. I, I, I know I had those thoughts. And instead, because of those vows and because of those um, expectations, probably some of them bitter root expectations, which, um, you know, that, that expectation that it's going to be bad. Uh, if it's done this way, um, we we create this terrible tension and frustration and anger. And the anger is sort of directed at our children, but it's really directed at us for falling short. And there you have these little people looking up at you. I, I don't know, Kimberly, if you've experienced this, but I certainly have. When I'm having, when I was having my fits over things not going the way I wanted them to, or or mothering in a way that wasn't lining up with my expectations or even children who weren't lining up with my expectations. Um, I really turned that against myself into self-loathing and that became anger and, and hysteria and um, even shock at my own self. You know what I mean? It's, Mm -hmm. it's very complicated and it's, um, it's a whole bag of junk that we carry around with us if we are not, if we don't have the aha moment that you had. Mm-hmm. I mean, you had the aha moment. And I'd love to know what, what did you do from that point when you saw this so clearly and your children were, what did you say, two, four, four, six, and eight, eight um, yeah. something around that. Yeah. Young kids, it was good because it was early enough for you to do something about it. What happened after that? Well, the most important part of that process was stopping long enough to find the root of it. So it came from somewhere. This wasn't just me having my hands full. This wasn't just me not really having good tools to organize my time. This was a vow that I made. And once you make a vow like that, it has power over your life. And like I said, whether it's a good vow or a bad vow, you're closing the door 
for God to operate in your life in any way, shape, or form. And so for me, the key to it was forgiving my parents, repenting, letting go of that expectation, and then asking God to speak truth to my heart and receiving the truth that he had for me, which was that mothering looks different for everyone and that I didn't have to be that mom. You know, and God's truth for everyone is going to look different individually. Um, you know, I've done this process many times with other areas of my life. And sometimes mm-hmm. the things, the truth that he shows me is tied to something in my past or it's a specific memory or it's a metaphor. And it's like, it's for me personally, it's not for anybody else. You know, nobody else would, right, would right. find the truth or the connection or the freedom in it. And I also do think it was a process. It was something that that's when the change began to happen. It didn't happen overnight. But as I let go of the way I thought I was supposed to be, then I saw gradual changes. And then I was free to be who I wanted to be. Um, You know, I do think, yes, if it's important for me to get up before they do, then I need to set, I need to put a plan in place, right? So I can be intentional about it. But my problem was not that I, again, wasn't doing what it took. I had a vow. I had unforgiveness that was like keeping me tethered to not being successful in that area. Right. So I I couldn't get beyond, I guess, in terms of because of why I was experiencing it, because of it was unforgiveness. And it was it wasn't something that I actively thought about either. That's right. the tr- that's the the trick there is that it's not like I went around saying my mom did this and my dad like I wasn't like no, I, no, I, no. I I as an adult can say oh my gosh yeah like they were both working they were you know they had full plates like they need you know why would you as a parent why would you get up if you don't have to like I get that now but I needed to figure out um, what the root of that was and become free of it before I was ever going to actually be able to get up early. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. The problem mm-hmm. was in the unforgiveness. I was never going to break free of that until I dealt with it. Um, and so it was, yeah, just a process of prayer and just a process of also getting to know myself and, you know, realizing that maybe motherhood doesn't look like I expected it to. And maybe I'm not mm-hmm. the mother I thought I would be. What kind yeah. of mom did you think that did you think you would be? <laughs> <laughs> like before you had kids, or like when they yeah. were really young? What did you? What were your like when you envisioned yourself? What did you see? You know, I didn't. I don't know that I had big, grand dreams or like what I thought I would be, because I only knew what my parents did. Right? Sure. I mean, yeah. I think that I didn't. Yeah. You know, I had some good friends growing up, but it wasn't like we hung out like it wasn't like we were close to other families and I was a part of the, like integral part of their lives. It wasn't like I was really seeing what other moms were doing and necessarily spending time comparing my parents. Um, I knew when I was working that I wanted to be, that I was going to stay home once my kids were born. And when I was working, I swore that this was something I can do. Like I can do this and I can do this well. And, um, like I enjoyed working and I enjoyed what I did. I was an interior designer, but I just remember thinking, Oh, I could be really good at mom. Like I could sink my teeth into being a mom, you know? And I was surprised when it wasn't so easy. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and because of the variable of the child itself, like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, a real human being at the end of that child (laughs) like things aren't necessarily going to go like I expect them to go they're not necessarily going to respond to the way I want them to respond they're not going to sleep when I want them to sleep they may not eat when I want them to eat and I think too part of um that being the parent you want to be you also have the variable of your husband you know when when we first started having kids I didn't know that things we had previously done together were now going to be solely mine. And I did not know that for the first seven years of my daughter's life, my husband would be working 80 hours a week. 
Like, and so here I find myself with three kids two years apart and I'm, I'm, I'm doing it by myself, you know? Um, so I think any expectation that I had of who I was going to be as a mom was quickly shattered by, I don't want to say circumstance, but just the things I had no idea the reality, the reality yeah. of what it really yeah. is. I mean, yeah. the reality of, as you say, three human beings, mm-hmm. a husband who is dedicating 80 hours of, of his life to his job mm-hmm. to support you so mm-hmm. that you can stay home, you know, mm-hmm. and we have no idea mm-hmm. <laughs> what the reality is until no. we live it. No. I mean, none. It, and, you know, and Kimberly, I, um, Coyle, I see you nodding your head. Do you, do you have a similar situation with um, the setup of your family kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, that that scenario is very familiar to me. (laughs) The raising of three kids with the husband working crazy hours. And then um, we had the added wrench in the works of moving abroad a couple times. And um, it's just, it was harder. But it's funny because I, I actually came to motherhood from a different perspective in that I was, um, I think I was a little fearful of the kind of mother I was going to be. Rather than thinking, I'm going to be the greatest mom, I'm going to be the fun mom, I'm going to, you know, like all of these things, I actually thought, I'm not sure I'm going to be really great at this. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I knew, I knew I would be maternal. I knew I would have all the love I needed to give to each of my children. Like that I, I knew and I was really confident in that. But it was how it was going to play out in the day to day. Like... My fear was that I would be rigid, um, that I would place unrealistic expectations on my kids, that I would be kind of a, a bit of a taskmaster and, um, and be really overly strict and that it would push them away from me. This was my fear. Mm-hmm. And I, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize, mm-hmm. like, like you said, Kimberly, like, you don't really think about it that deeply. I mean, I was young when I had, when I started having kids, I had my first at 24. So this is not something that was conscious to me. It wasn't until I'd had my third child and I was floundering like in a personal way. I, I'd hit my early thirties and I was like, what the heck am I doing with my life? If I am home all day with three kids and I feel like I'm dying on the inside. Mm. Um, and so I went to counseling And that's when all of that stuff started to come out in counseling. And I was like, I'm so afraid that this is the mom I'm going to be. And I'm not enjoying my children because Mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know how to enjoy them because I'm so fearful. Like I'm a crazy person. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's all about get your, you know, make sure everything is tidy. Make sure you keep things in a neat little box, make sure, you know, and I, I didn't want that. And I, I wasn't even really following that path as I expected myself to like I wasn't that strict actually when they were really little um they had quite a bit of freedom but my fear was that as they grew older I would I would become my grip would be more vice-like on them and that that it would push them away and um is that why is that like is that because that's what you experienced growing up was a, a strict home or was it because you just had those kind of tendencies in your own personal life and projects and work life? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think part of it was because while I, my parents were amazing, I I really wouldn't change a thing about the way I grew up. Such wonderful, loving, giving, generous parents. Um, but they were strict, like super strict. And, um, and that was hard. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a, a sort of normal, like you grow up in the church kind of strict. It was like borderline legalistic strict. And, um, and they loosened up a lot. I was the firstborn. So mm. they loosened up a lot with each kid. <laughs> um, but, but my exp- it, it made, and I, I already had a personal tendency to, um, to perfectionism and to wanting to get things right, like to be the good girl, to get everything right. And and that's what I wanted to like, I, I feared that I would place that on my kids. Like you have to get it right or I'm not going to be happy with you about this, you know? And, and I, I really had to work through that with my counselor and, um, and he, 
he said, <laughs> it's funny, as the more I talked to him about like who I, I thought I was and what my fear of who I was going to become, and he finally just said to me, Kimberly, that's not who you are. You're not going to do that with your kids. You aren't going to be that mother because you, you're you aware of it. You don't want to be that mother. You're not going to be her. And it was it was like a key turned in a lock for me. It just, mm. I thought, oh my gosh, this is the first person who's ever said to me, like, I don't have to be this way. This mm-hmm. is not a foregone conclusion that I'm going to turn into this super strict, crazy parent who hovers and draw and, and repels my children, you know? Um, and so it, it was, it was a process, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't change my mind overnight about how that was going to be. And I had to pray through that and like, just kind of observe how my husband interacted with my kids and our kids <laughs> and, um, and sometimes follow his lead when he would say, come on, babe, you're getting a little crazy about this. You know, I would kind of pull back and say, okay, is this kind of my crazy coming out or, you know, what's happening here? And, um, and it's so funny that now he by far is stricter than me about a lot of things like their grades or, you know, he's, he's kind of rides that kind of stuff a little bit heavier because I've stepped back because I know my tendency. Like if I started getting caught up in what their grades look Mm -hmm. like, I would be a maniac. So I just step back and let him kind of run that. But, but uh, on other things, I, I veer a little more strictly, but overall, I think in the end, I'm not parenting the way I thought I was going to. And thank God. Mm-hmm. Thank God. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. What, what about you, Elise? Your motherhood story is different than ours. Yes, it is different than yours. Um, okay, so I would say, again, I was definitely vowing not to be like my mother to begin with. I had always wanted to be a mother. I did not have a lot of grand career um, hopes. I was a writer and an editor, and I loved it. But it was kind of like the second I can stop doing this and have children is the day that I really live. (laughs) (laughs) Ah! Um, So um, I did have my first, uh, I was just about to turn 31 when Farrell was born. But you had a a daughter from your husband. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So So your journey really started before that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, very much so. That's a good point. Well, see, because I was this mother waiting to happen, the fact that my daughter, my husband, who I met um, when I was 21 and he was 23, he had a two-year-old and I thought that was good news where most people were like, are you sure you want to take on a family? Like not just a man, but his daughter as well. Um, but I did. I was like, oh yeah, no, no problem. Bring it on. Of course, having a child in a relationship uh, changed everything. <laughs> we didn't have romantic weekends the way some people had. So that's one thing that, um, but again, I, part of me, and I think I talked about this on another podcast. I was born a mother. I was like a nurturer and I was there to help. And I was doing it when I was in kindergarten. And when my mother told me that, that she'd been called in because the teacher was literally saying she's mothering the children and they're five and she's five and they don't want to hear it from her <laughs> in a very nice mm-hmm. way. So again, for me, my stepdaughter was like the answer to my dreams. <laughs> and then, um, and I, and I actually did pretty well. I, I, I was the partial weekend mom for a long time. And that's kind of, you know, once, once I became more incorporated into Chris's family, which would be him and his daughter, um, I became the fun weekend mom and like, you know, Chris's ex was the one that had the week long responsibilities and, and we had the weekend and fun and maybe doing stuff around the house, but it was very chill. And then I had my own children and I don't know if it's relevant here, but I did lo- lose twins when I was five months pregnant, which was absolutely devastating. And I think even that, that there, there were some lies running that. Like, you know, so many people would say to me, oh, my gosh, if anybody can handle two babies, it's you. And you, oh, my gosh, twins, perfect for you. And then I lost the twins. So did that mean I was not able to handle the twins? And so I'm just like a lot of stuff. Again, is this what I pictured? It is not what I pictured. I pictured myself 
at home, sitting on a chair, quilting and knitting and preparing beautiful meals for my lovely little family of perfectly mm-hmm. behaved children. And this is instead the package that everybody started coming in. My daughter Farrell was born. And after much pain and sorrow, yay, the miracle is born. And within um, two days, she had failure to thrive because I wasn't nursing properly. Another, what? I'm not going to be able to nurse? You know, that's what you're able to do in this whole picture of perfection mom. I was going to be able to put that baby on the breast and away we would go. You know, (laughs) failure to thrive and back in the hospital after, you know, the perfect natural childbirth in a birth center. I mean, it just, and it just continued from there. Um, We went on to have Katie next, thank God. Um, But a month before she was born, Lauren, who had been our weekend child, moved in. And she was now 12 years old, so she was a teenager, and she was not the happy, perky little child that had been in the picture all along. She was becoming, you know, a normal kid who starts to separate and not agree with every single thing you say. So she moved in a month before Katie was born, um, and Katie and Farrell are 21 months apart, and it was like wild mayhem, quite frankly. And in the middle of that, we decided to sell our house gosh. So there I was, this young mom, and I would have to pick these people up out of this tiny little home in Hoboken because if if we were going to sell our house for a good price, we had to get out because the house looked smaller with us in it. (laughs) And then we moved to Montclair with um, Lauren and Farrell and Katie in tow. And now let's say Lauren's 13, Farrell is going to be three, and Katie is a year. And Within a year of that, my husband was hit by a car. I mean, it was just, are you kidding me? This was so not what I, I thought my life was going to look like. And so out of that, I have to say, every picture I had was dashed of what it would look like to be a mother. Um, and I found myself in hysteria. I was, I was, become. it looked to me like I was becoming the mother that I most feared becoming a mother who was hysterical, angry. Sorry. Out of control. It didn't look anything like what I expected it to look like. And I could blame it on circumstances, certainly, if you line those things up. But um, it doesn't really matter because in some ways we're all kind of talking about the same thing. We're talking about this crazy, these ideas that we get into our head, whether they're good or bad, about how we're going to parent. And that's how we set ourselves up. And and so we're going to fail at whatever that picture is, we're going to fail. Um, whether we're not going to be as good as we thought we were, or we're not going to be as bad as we thought we were. It, it, it just speaks to the truth of what you said, Kimberly. You got to say, okay, Lord, who am I? Who have you made me to be? And how can I be the best parent um, I can be because you are in me. I, I, too, went to counseling. You know, when I found myself in this place of angry mom and we went to counseling because of all that was going on, I was like, you know, we got to get some um, outside viewpoint here. And again, I, I feel like I've mentioned this in the past, but the counselor said to me, um, you need you need to talk to somebody yourself. You've got some anger issues. And I was just like, what? I was so mad at her for saying <laughs> so, so I think, angry. <laughs> I, I was so angry for her saying, how dare she call me angry? Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's, again, I, I, I think, like, as I look at this and all of our, our stories, it's like, okay, so there's probably things that we all look at in our childhood and kind of say, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do that better or I'm going to, I'm, you know, we, we make these vows. And then we find ourselves in situations that are very human that we absolutely can't anticipate because life does not look like a soap opera, a sitcom, anything that we've seen. It doesn't look like our own stories either. And here we are kind of feeling like, where, where do I, how do I make this work? Um, feeling like we don't have the tools. This isn't what it was supposed to look like. Disappointed. I, I remember being very disappointed. And then we've got to figure out, okay, this, who am I and how can I make this work? And sometimes it takes counseling and sometimes it takes lots and lots of prayer, lots of support from other people who are maybe going ahead of us a little bit. Um, but it takes a reckoning with reality, I think. 
You know, it's like, no, this is not. And 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 a real. Uh, it takes self awareness too. How am I viewing myself? You know, what am I? What am I telling? What is the self talk? Um, I mean, I I I think I was saying things like, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe I'm here. I cannot believe this is me. But this is is me is happening and 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 you know really take some time to think about um as you mentioned earlier kimberly what are the roots of this who am i what am i doing am i comparing myself to other people am i believing lies there's there's work that needs to be done in that in that reckoning time and i do think it happens when we have our children Mm -hmm. i do and i also think it's the time when our marriages are most impacted as well uh, because so much changes children are wonderful and they change everything Mm -hmm. so um uh, again i I think there's a whole process we have to go through and maybe it would be good to know Mm -hmm. that we have to go through that because i don't i don't think we do i think we we just kind of go okay this is going to be great and then we get there and find ourselves lost and lacking the tools that we need and and feeling like we are alone and everybody else is doing it well and we're not yeah and that is probably the greatest lie Yeah. You know, you asked earlier about um, what did it take to change? And um, another part of that answer is that I really feel like God showed me that every time I was losing my temper with my children and every time I was getting frustrated and every time I was having a problem was because when I I was thinking about myself. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't really the kids when they're two years old, not listening to me and not putting their blocks away. It's me wanting things to be perfect and me, it's not going my way and it's not going the way I thought it would go or should go or want it to go. And, and my, my focus was on me. And so while there's a focus that we need to have on ourselves to dig and find the roots and find out what we're really dealing with and figure out who we really are, we have Mm -hmm. to take the focus off ourselves in another respect, in the sense yeah, that, yeah. you know, as a mother, whether you're at home with your kids or whether you work outside the home or no matter what your situation is, it's not all about you. There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger, you're a part of a bigger story. And if you're a parent and you're committed to nurturing your kids and raise them into wonderful adults, then sometimes your needs need to go on the back burner, your desires for the perfect life or your desires for things to go a certain way, you need to put them aside and you need to look at the, I mean, this sounds cliche, but the greater good. Like what is, um, what is your why? Like, why are you home? If Mm -hmm. you just want to sit in a perfect house all day, like you're there so that you can engage with your children. I'm speaking more, but for my why, um, that, you know, having the clean house is not why I'm at home or, you know, so I can cook perfect meals. That's not why I became a mother. You know what I mean? Like what is, yeah. What, yeah. let's get to the root of what is your mission? What is your mission? What is your why for your family? And how do you live that yeah. out instead of yeah. measuring it by some standard that you made up in your head that nobody set for you, that God didn't set for you, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, I think we do have to know ourselves uh, or face ourselves when this stuff starts to come out of us mm-hmm. that we couldn't have anticipated some of the feelings that we have. But I so agree with you about, um, you know, I remember one time my child, uh, doing something. I don't know. I don't, I, I don't remember what it was, but I remember turning to my sister and say, Oh my gosh, can you believe this? She's acting too, because she was yeah. too. It was like such a, it was like such a check in my spirit. Like I was getting frustrated because she was acting exactly like a two-year-old acts. And another example is I remember getting so frustrated about calling the kids in for dinner and nobody responded. <laughs> and then and then James Dobson spoke to me through his radio program and talked about how we literally train them not to listen to us. Mm-hmm. Because we say, okay, dinner's ready, and we let 10 minutes go by, and they're doing something else, and we don't say, okay, you've got three minutes to put this away, and then it's time to come into dinner, whatever. M- my point being that um, we set certain things up and then get upset with, with mm-hmm. the way they turn out. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm getting upset with my children for not coming in, in for dinner when I call them, because I've trained them not to come when I call them. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, I think I think that... What I'm speaking to, Kimberly, is that um, why, you know, 
why am I here? What am I supposed to be doing? What am I trying to provide for my children? And that is what this time is about. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean you have to lose yourself completely, but it is what this time no, is about. No. And it is why I'm yeah. home, you know? Yeah, totally. Like, I, I mean, I wasn't staying home because I wanted to be able to wash my children's clothing myself because <laughs> I really wanted to do the laundry. I mean, some people might like that. I personally would go down to my basement and curse the laundry every day until I started to realize that wasn't good either. I needed to start blessing my laundry, (laughs) but it wasn't going to be my favorite thing to do. And it wasn't why I was home. Right. So figuring that out, I think is really, but you want your kids to have clean clothes and you want them to be well taken care of and you want them to, you're, you're providing for them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. How do I do that? Mm -hmm. So, We've talked about the expectations that we have for ourselves that we have not met. I'm curious, um, what are the expectations or what did you imagine it would be like that has been correct or has been what you thought it would be? Good question. Yeah, that is a good question. I think for me, um, I think... It's uh, the, the the love that I feel for them is truly as much as I anticipated it would be. And, like, my desire to sacrifice for them is as much as I thought it would be. And, um, and that's wonderful, like, because it just makes all that other stuff kind of fade in the background when you realize, like, at the root of all of this... I just want the best for my kids and I'm trying to do the best I can and I love them unconditionally mm-hmm. and that's it. And just, I, I just think it's a beautiful picture of how Christ loves us. Mm. And, um, and I mean, I certainly do not behave in a Christ-like manner for much of the time, but, but I think the root of that love is, is very pure and very real, and, and there's nothing that can take it away. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I, you know? mm-hmm. and, um, and I hope that that is, I hope when my kids, I hope my kids know that in their heart. I hope mm-hmm. they know, like, I always knew that growing up. There was nothing in the world I could do that would change how my parents felt about me and their love for me. And I hope and I think that I've imparted that to my own kids. And I I also hope that that's how they see Christ. That's how they see God, Mm. that there's nothing they can do that's going to change how deep that love runs. And and that's been a wonderful thing because it does make all of that other stuff sort of fall into place, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. the the getting crazy over silly stuff. Um, It it falls into place when you put it under that umbrella. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 It's interesting. The, the love part, um, because I would totally, I totally, that's the word that came to mind. Um, and again, I hate to say it, but I absolutely did not feel loved by my mother. My mother was really unable to love. Um, she just, I think I heard it from her once or twice in my life. And, um, so that was certainly something that I, I hoped and prayed that more than anything, my children would never question my love for them and that they would never feel unlovable, which I have felt in my life. That, that has been a struggle for me. So um, I, think, I think that's happened. But it's interesting because I, I have just faced recently, you were talking about Christ's love for us, Kimberly, and um, just this past holidays and with some stuff that we've been going through, I have sort of again come face to face with something that um, that I'm working on. I talked a little bit about it with our one word, and we were talking about that. My one word is love, and it's definitely agape love, the love of, of Christ that is not conditional, that is patient and kind and all those wonderful things, um, but that is not needy. And there are times when I see that my love for my children can have need at the end of it. And that is not the way I want to love them, especially in their adulthood. So mm. that's something that's really been, you know, it's a new level of, of love. It's kind of like, you know what? They are not here to meet my need to be needed. Right. Yeah. And to to make me feel loved. And my husband said this to me years ago when I said, I just, after one of our holidays, which are always so wonderful, but afterwards are really hard when they all leave. Um I just don't feel loved by my children. And my husband said, 
that's not their job. Your job is to love them. Mm. And that may not, people may not all agree with that, but it really resonated with me. It was like, oh my gosh, it's true. I am the parent. And that is my job. That is part of my job description. So anyway, I think that that's a, again, I hope that I have, I hope my children feel loved and lovable. And now God is going to take me on a new level of love so that I can separate better and have less, uh, make it less about me again, Kimberly. Uh, That's what you were talking about, making it less about me. All right. So I have one more question. Um, How have you dealt with the expectations of others around your motherhood? So there's certainly people in our lives that think we should mother differently. Interesting question. I, I surprisingly have not had, um, I've not had too much input from anyone else. Mm -hmm. Like my mother-in-law, She's very complimentary, always on my side. Um, Same for my mom. My mom is always on my side, has never criticized anything I've ever done as a parent. Um, And maybe not even rightfully so. I see Elise laughing. (laughs) Not laughing at you, but just... I know it's hard to believe. I, it's like Wonderful. I live in a fan, I live in a fantasy world. My mother and my mother-in-law are amazing, and and they never criticize me um, as a parent or anything really. But um, yeah, they they are just super super supportive, and I've, I, I've never heard a negative word from them. And that does not mean it didn't need to be said. Like certainly they could have said um, mm-hmm. rein it in a little bit, Kimberly, but they didn't. Uh, my husband is my is my biggest like sounding board. And he has reined me in many, many times on my parenting. But I mean, that's his, that's part of his job, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, yeah. we check yeah. each other. Yeah. We check each other. Right. You and, figure it um, out together. Yeah. And, and we, we try to parent very much as a unit. So most of what, um, any tension between how we're parenting goes on behind closed doors, mm-hmm. almost exclusively, mm-hmm. not, not totally, but for the most part. So yeah. when he's had things to say about, um, how I'm mothering, he generally says it in private, mm-hmm. which is so. And we, and we work through that. Precedent to set, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we get annoyed with each other <laughs> in front of the kids, but but overall, when we're talking bigger picture stuff about parenting things, it's yeah. You're not making decisions in front of them about no. them. Oh no, certainly not. Yeah. No. How about you, Kimberly? I'd love to hear from you. I think certainly when I was a lot younger. I think I was, people took liberties, family members took liberties to tell me what I should and shouldn't be doing. Mm -hmm. But I definitely feel that as I've grown into the mother I am and as I've kind of become more self-aware of who I am and what's important to me, and I think as they've seen that Carl and I make a lot of choices together, that they've kind of, I don't want to say backed off because, look, they, I, I truly believe that whether it was my mother-in-law, my mother, whoever it was, they want to be helpful, right? So at the right. end of the day, mm-hmm. like most times they're showing me things, you know, and I think that, um, you know, my mother certainly sometimes will point things out to me and I'm like, I know that's the way you did it. I lived in your house. Like, <laughs> I'm doing it differently. Um, and, and, you know, right. there's things that she does say that's absolutely spot on. And I feel like, oh, she's right. I should be doing it in a different way. But um, in terms of, I think, as I've matured and I've grown, I think that I've been giving more space and there's less expectations of who I should be as a mom. And I find that there are times when I've had to um, sort of speak up for myself and say, say things like this is really important to us and this is why we did this like not just having a knee-jerk reaction and saying well we don't do it that way like this is what Carl and I decided like Mm -hmm. using that kind of language yeah has really kind of set boundaries in place and so where I think in the beginning I probably tried to live up to an expectation of other people because I wanted all the help I could get um I I now kind of have the space to be who I want to be 
And yeah. so I don't deal with it as much, but I can imagine that there are people that deal with, you know, well, even, even from a spouse, like when you have a spouse that wants you to be the kind of mother that their mother was, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that gets tricky. You know, we yeah, talked about I would be so much trouble. My <laughs> mother-in-law was amazing. Mm. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Like, thank God he doesn't hold me to her standard. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't even, I, I cannot be that wife and mother. Yeah. I, I like, I can't, I mm-hmm. just, it's not me. Mm-hmm. That would be very challenging in a, in a marriage. It's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> interesting. I, I'm, I will say my mother-in-law has never said, had, had anything to say about my parenting, which I appreciate. And even my mother, uh, see, I was so you know, I was the one looking for a mother to tell me something. I mm-hmm. think I've, again, shared that before. So I wanted somebody to say, this is how you do it. And this is, this is, uh, you know, whatever. Um, so I didn't have that input. Um, and I, and I wanted it, uh, cause I really was open to it on some level, but I think some of the comments that I would hear had to do with maybe being a little too, um, what was the word I was looking for? You know, it stems from my approval of man need. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was times when I needed, maybe wanted my children to approve of me more than they should or needed to or whatever. Um, so I I wanted on some level, and, and it's kind of ridiculous to ask, ask children to do this, and so, but, I, but I think I still deal with it. I want them to think I'm a good mom. And I, and I want sure. them to reflect that in some way. Sure. And, um, you know, I don't know. I, I see some moms really cultivate that. And I'm like, oh, how did you get them to love you so much or express it so much? I mean, I know my kids love me. Um, but, yeah. So I would say that would be um, one of the things. The the input would be my own input. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Like just receive the Lord's love and realize that it's perfect and that yeah. it, is, it is enough and stop looking at it from, from other people, your children, your husband, whatever, yeah. the approval of man stuff, um, which I, I definitely think I've come a long way and continue to, but, um, yeah, that would have been one of the things that, uh, yeah, yeah, I compared myself to me, um, you know, this isn't necessarily something we're talking about, but one of the things that did help me and my husband in terms of him not comparing me to maybe what he saw growing up was that Mm -hmm. real early on, we did have a discussion about what our expectations were. And I'm sure we read about it in some marriage book. Um, but we talked down to the nitty gritty of like, okay, whose job is it to take out the garbage? You know, like I grew up seeing my dad take it out. So I went through a phase where I was annoyed and angry when my husband wouldn't take it out because it's his job. Like what? Like that's what my dad did. That's what you should be doing. And really, saying having continuing the conversation and saying hey you know what am I on track what am I off track what are your thoughts on is there anything we need to talk about like keeping the conversation going so that if there's something that I do as a mom or that he does again like behind closed doors say oh well I I kind of would have handled that differently or I expect you to do that then just that communication and understanding each other's expectations because they are formed from a time before we met them or knew them or, and so yeah, getting definitely. that straight with a conversation is really helpful, especially in the beginning. And if you didn't do it in the beginning, you can still have that conversation. You know, my husband was very upfront with me when he was, da- we were dating. He's like, I, my mom made home cooked meals and I love that. And that's what I want for my family. And I was on board with that. I was totally fine with that. I was like, Oh, well, I love to cook. And he's like, perfect. You know, like that was important to him. So <laughs> Check. if we hadn't had that conversation and then we start having kids and he wants to know where dinner is, you know, well, shame on you. Cause now, now all of a sudden this is what you expect from me. This is not the kind of mother I want to be, you know what I'm saying? So you can avoid mm-hmm. um, some of that with conversations. For me, some of those questions came up, Kimberly on engaged encounter mm-hmm. when we went away for a weekend and spent, you know, Friday night to Sunday afternoon asking these questions what do you expect financially? What do you expect sexually? What do you expect um, with children? What are you thinking? You know, all these things that we, even we, we'd been together for five years, but we hadn't talked about them all. And this made us talk about them. And I think that for us was a jumping off, off point mm-hmm. that we've kept up with. Thank God. 
mm-hmm. talking about, wait a minute, this is not what it, what I thought it was going to look like. Well, what did you do in your family? All that stuff. Really yeah. important. All right, Elise, do you have a closing challenge for us? Hmm, my challenge for today would be take a moment to think about um, where you are. I, I think most of the people that we're talking to are moms or parents. Um, but you can do this even if you're not a parent. Absolutely. To think about where you are in life and who you are and maybe identify one lie in your head that you are thinking, wait a minute, it's, it's my life looks like this or my parenting looks like this and I believed it should have looked like this. What's a should have that you need to debunk so that you can be free to be the person that you are? Oh, I love that. Excellent. All right. So, um, Elise and Kimberly, just remind us where we can find you online. Sure. You can find me um, at my blog. It's KimberlyAnnCoyle.com. I'm on Instagram as K.A. Coyle and um, on Facebook, Kimberly Coyle. And I'm on Twitter, too. I think I'm Kimberly A. Coyle there. I forget. I don't hang out on, on there as much, but that's where you can find me. And I am ElisedalyParker.com, and my handle and tag and all that stuff is always Elise Daly Parker. And you can find me on Facebook as Elise Daly Parker, editor, writer, coach. And at KimberlyAmici.com, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as Kimberly Amici and on Facebook as Living in the Sweet Spot. Thanks for joining us for this episode. If you stop by circlesoffaith.org, you can sign up for our free newsletter to receive additional resources and bonus content. Sometimes there'll be extra episodes there as well. You can find us weekly on iTunes and Stitcher and on social media as Circles of Faith. 